Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 42 The Ocean and the First Island Dorothy, the lion, and the once again patched up Mr. Scarecrow found themselves on a beach. Looking out over the ocean, Dorothy let the soft waves roll over her naked feet as she held her shoes in her hand. Somewhere off in the distance there was an island, and on that island was a witch. Not just any witch, but a good witch that would hopefully help her get back home. Three islands out there, she said to herself. It seemed like an endless journey. The first island was not even visible on the horizon. She breathed in and let out a heavy sigh. How do you suppose we get across? asked Mister as he walked up the beach. The map says there should be a bridge somewhere around here, replied Dorothy. Mister looked around. There was no sign of a bridge. Dorothy? I know, Mister. The blind panic in her voice was drowned out by the frustration, and the frustration was drowned out by the exhaustion. I think Joseph lied. She sniffed and wiped a tear from her eye with her free hand. I think he just sent us out here to die. There's no bridge. There's probably not even an island out there, let alone three. What do we do now? asked Mister. Turn around? Go back to Joseph and the Green Palace? I don't know, Mister. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do now. It's just such... such... fucking bullshit. The blind panic was now starting to show in her voice. This, this is just such fucking bullshit. I mean, what the hell? One day, I'm sitting at home, just playing some video games, you know, and enjoying my life. Finally, for once, I was just a little bit happy. And then suddenly... It's just all taken away. No longer home. No longer safe. No longer happy. And that's the worst of it. It took me years. Fucking years. To be happy. For a while there, 
For a moment, I thought I could be happy here. And for a moment, I was happy here. The woodman was gone, people were friendly. I wasn't constantly being tormented by everything. And then I meet the wizard. That fucking wizard. And he tells me I, I can go home. Says he can even help. I can finally get home, and what do I do? I fall for it. I fall for it because that's just what Dorothy does. Always the gullible one. Always the stupid little girl. Forever. The stupid little girl. Maybe that's all I deserve to be. You know? Maybe all I deserve to be is a stupid little girl. Mister took a few steps back. He had never seen her like this before, and he did not like it. She was so mean, so negative. It's fucking bullshit, screamed Dorothy as she waved her hands and shoes in the air. Whoa, whoa, wait, stop, cried out Mister. But it was too late. Dorothy had already let go of her shoes, and they were already in the air. The second the shoes left her hand, she realized what she had done. She had precious few comforts in life, and now she was one less. The two of them watched as the shoes fell in what seemed like slow motion, landing flat on the surface of the water. They watched as they occasionally dipped beneath the ocean's surface as water rolled over them. Do you see that? asked Mister. Yeah, I see that, said Dorothy, in complete shock. Together they peered out over the ocean at the shoes resting on a bridge neither one of them could see. The lion, who had been splashing around in the waves, unsuccessfully attempting to get the quadling blood off his fur, came ashore. He was no longer the gray lion. He was now the red lion. He looked at Dorothy, then he looked at Mister. They seemed uninterested in him, so he shifted his attention to the ocean as well, in hopes of seeing what they saw. <laughs> I saw this in a movie once, Dorothy said, as she picked up a handful of sand and threw it out into the ocean. They all watched as the sand landed just above the surface of the water, before being washed away by a small wave. 
She picked up more, throwing it wildly into the sea as she ran up the beach, frantically searching for the start of the bridge. Finally, she found it, and together, the three travelers began their journey across the vast ocean, on their way to the first island. It was night on the first island, and the sky was clear. The moon lit the ground as the travelers made their way across. It was a desert plain. The ground was cracked, and it was almost completely barren. It reminded Dorothy of the western greys, but they at least had a few signs of life, unlike their current location. As they traveled farther inland, they noticed something on the horizon, a small spot, barely even visible. With each step, the figure on the horizon got bigger and bigger, until it was revealed to be a large statue, a large man sitting on a throne. He was wearing fairly standard royal garb. A large crown sat atop his perfectly sculpted head, and a large set of robes that flowed to the ground, where his feet only stuck out a little. He appeared to be human. He was completely proportionate, as far as they could tell, unlike the munchkins who were all stubby and short. His right hand lazily hung off the side of the throne and rested on a scepter that reached to the ground. His left hand was in a similar position, but instead rested on the head of a kaleida. Now, in case you are new to the world of Oz, which I assume at least some of you are, I will describe to you this mythical beast. Kaleidas are interesting creatures, to say the least. They stand about three feet tall, with the head of a tiger and the body of a small bear. They are fast and agile, with the temperament of a royally pissed-off badger. To top it off, their paws are equipped with long, sharp claws that, when retracted, still stick out about six inches. This Kaleida, of course, was a giant, perfectly proportionate to the king in which it stood beside. Do you think he was a benevolent leader? asked Dorothy. Or a malevolent leader? I don't think I care to find out, Mr. replied. Kind of creepy, said Dorothy. Just sitting out here like that, all alone, with some sort of a tiger bear? It's called a Kaleida, said Mr. I think I'm going to stick with tiger bear, said Dorothy, stepping forward. As she stepped forward, the ground began to shake. In the distance, dust began to rise and form a thick cloud around the statue. Dorothy, Mister, and the lion all watched from where they were as a large Romanesque army emerged from the ground. Some were decayed like zombies. 
some nothing but skeletons, and others appeared to be completely untouched by death. They were all armed with swords, or maces, or axes, and all of them were equipped with large round shields and shiny plate armor. One of the soldiers beat his mace against his shield, and they all formed a straight line in front of the statue. The line crossed the horizon as far as anyone could see. Dorothy and her companions, of course, could not see most of these details from where they were. All they could see was a legion that looked like ants at the feet of a giant king. What do you think? asked Mr. looking at Dorothy. Well, I don't think they want to play Red Rover. What? asked Mr., giving her a confused look. Dorothy just looked at him. Never mind. I think we're in trouble. The army stood still in formation as the trio looked at them in the distance. I think if they were going to do something, though, they would have done it by now, said Dorothy, in the hopes that they were not in any real danger. Do you think they're just going to let us pass? asked Mr. I guess there's only one way to find out, said Dorothy, as she placed one foot in front of the other. As her foot hit the ground and propelled her one step closer, the army moved one step closer as well. Dorothy paused and looked at Mr. Both shrugged and stepped forward once more. The soldiers again stepped forward accordingly. Dorothy and Mr. stepped a third time, and the soldiers predictably did the same. This time, the king began to shake and crack as he stood up as well. The Kaleida did not move. Dorothy looked around and noticed the lion still several feet behind them. <laughs> Wonder what's gotten into him. Hmm. He does seem uncommonly cowardly, doesn't he? They stepped forward once more, and the army once again did the same. The king stayed in place, and the Kaleida remained still. I don't know, Dorothy, said Mr. I'm not so sure they're friendly after all. And there's a lot of them, said Dorothy. She stepped back, and with each step, the army stepped back as well. The king, however, remained standing. Any ideas, mister? No. That's what I thought, said Dorothy, as she begrudgingly stepped forward once more. Mister followed, and with each step, the army in the distance matched them. The lion stayed behind, and the king remained still, as did the Kaleida. Dorothy had no idea what they were going to do when they met with the army. The air grew thick, and the temperature became uncomfortably cold. Dorothy persisted, her warm breath visible each time she exhaled. Mister continued at her side.
and the lion still stood behind them, right where they left him. In a relatively short amount of time, they stood close enough to make out the details of the soldiers. Dorothy and Mister stopped once the reality of the situation set in. The soldier in the center of the line looked at Dorothy, and she looked at him in return. He hit his shield with his large mace and let out a loud battle cry. The line no longer matched Dorothy and Mister in step. As the travelers stood still, the ground began to rumble and shake as the army charged toward them. Run! screamed Dorothy as she turned to Mister. They turned around to see the lion still sitting in place. Behind him, another army on the horizon, and growing larger at an alarming rate as they rapidly approached. Quadlings? asked Dorothy, squinting her eyes and stopping dead in her tracks. How? asked Mister. Why? Are they following us? Dorothy turned back and looked at the king's army closing in on them. She looked forward at the quadlings. They had passed the lion as though he was no longer a threat, and were still closing in at an alarming pace. Mister threw himself on Dorothy, knocking her to the ground as the two armies met. Loud punches and clanks were heard as a brutal war was waged all around them. The quadlings were a fierce people, armed with spears and primitive weaponry. There was bloodshed all around as quadlings fell to the heavier medieval swords, axes, and maces. The advantages they had over the king's soldiers, however, was substantial. They easily outnumbered them three to one. Even when a soldier managed to kill one quadling, there were still two ready to exact bloody revenge. The king's soldiers were clunky and bogged down by heavy armor, where their adversaries were quick and agile. The quadlings ultimately prevailed, although their numbers were drastically lowered by the end of the battle. They all roared and screamed in celebration of their victory. Dorothy and Mister stood up and looked around. Soldiers impaled on spears, severed heads attached to long necks, blood-soaked ground, and the smell of sweat and body odor thick in the cool air. It was clear they were no longer adversarial to Dorothy and her friends. Instead, they seemed to think of her as some kind of royalty, or even a leader of sorts. I guess we have some friends in this world after all, Dorothy said, breathing heavily, looking at what was left of the quadling army. She shifted her gaze to the large statue of the king, who had not moved since he first arose. Still don't like the looks of that guy, though. Maybe he didn't notice us? said Mr. Dorothy couldn't tell if he was serious or just being funny. She turned back to the lion and motioned for him to rejoin the traveling party. He cautiously stepped forward. As his first paw hit the ground with a small thump, 
the earth began to rumble once more. Everyone looked back at the statue. The king remained still as the collida began to move and shift. The lion mustered up the courage to rejoin his friends, even as Dorothy waved to him and told him to stop. The collida, same as the soldiers before, matched each step with the lion, until it reached a point that it no longer cared what the lion was doing. The stone exterior of the large beast crumbled and fell away in large chunks that shook the earth as they crashed to the ground. As it charged fiercely at Dorothy and company, the thirty or so remaining quadlings charged at their new-found adversary. This fight was far from over. As it approached, they climbed and crawled all over it, like ants on a sucker that had been left on the sidewalk on a hot summer's day. It was a massive beast that dwarfed even the soldiers the quadlings had just finished laying waste to. Dorothy was flattered, but very aware of the chance of failure on the quadlings' part. The Kaleida trampled the women, and the ones it did not smash, it scooped up with its giant claws and shoved them into its large mouth. The Kaleida shook and bucked most of the quadlings that managed to climb on top of it off, throwing them into the distance. Dorothy, the lion, and Mister watched as the remaining five, maybe six, strange little men clung to it, holding on for dear life. Dorothy and Mister and the lion intently watched as the quadlings gathered on top of its head and plunged their spears in and out as fast as they could. The Kaleida was not particularly hurt by this, but more annoyed than anything, and let out a fierce roar that nearly knocked the spectators to the ground. Standing on its hind legs with its mouth wide open, it reached up to grab its attackers. But it was too late. They were done on its head. The spectacle continued as they dropped down over its face. Two of them jammed spears into the beast's eyes, and with all their might plunged them in until they were no longer retrievable. The giant monster let out a loud, shrill cry of pain as vitreous poured from its eyes. Spears in hands, the remaining quadlings crawled into its mouth and disappeared into its throat. It shook its head, flinging off the two on its face. Lowering back to all fours, it continued its charge toward Dorothy. Everyone watched as the Kaleida thrashed its way through the desert its mission still clear. Dorothy dropped to her knees in defeat and watched as the monstrosity fell. Its front legs stopped moving as its body continued to be propelled by its still kicking back legs. Not long after its front, its back legs stopped as well, and with one last kick to gain any extra distance, it pushed itself closer to its soon-to-be victims. Its mouth continued to open and shut, snapping and biting as it slid across the earth, coming to a halt just inches from the cowering and crying Dorothy Gale.
The creature's oozing eyes closed, and its violent snapping slowed, until it stopped altogether. Dorothy stood up and moved in for a closer look. Mister watched in awe of his traveling companion as she placed her hand on its nose. Its mouth jerked and opened as Dorothy jumped back with a frightened scream. Together, they watched as one slimy quadling hobbled out with a look of sheer satisfaction on his face. The ground shook once more as the king began to walk toward them. The last quadling bravely and stupidly ran to attack. He was promptly crushed under the king's giant foot as the large stone man continued to walk toward Dorothy and her companions, all of which were completely paralyzed by fear. Upon approaching them, he knelt down and gently lowered a hand to the ground. Dorothy looked at him, and then back to Mr. and the lion. It seemed as though the king was not going to kill them after all, but they had been lulled into a false sense of security before. Dorothy looked up at his stone face. He looked genuinely welcoming. With the help of the lion pushing her feet up with his nose, she climbed up and into the palm of the king's hand. Mister climbed on to the lion's back, who then jumped into the king's hand with ease. The giant stone marvel carried the weary travelers to the other end of the island and continued to carry them through the ocean. After being set down on the soft sand of the second island, they watched as the gentle giant turned back. The ground shook and rumbled with each step, and large waves crashed all around him as he disappeared back into the distance.